Finding the right cleat can be transformative. Believe me, I've worn plenty during my career. So getting the right balance is crucial. The cleat needs to feel good on your foot, but also feel good connecting with the ball. The New Balance Furon 7 Plus is built with both of those points in mind, offering overall comfort and precise striking in the game's fastest moments. Because, as I learned the hard way, because I didn't possess much of it, speed matters in soccer. That's why the Furon 7 Plus is built for accuracy and precision at rapid pace and is engineered specifically for use on firm ground. Why is this the ideal cleat, I hear you ask? Well, not to get too scientific, but the Furon 7 Plus offers a lightweight yet supportive hypo-knit with mesh lining upper construction and is paired with offset lacing for a truer strike of the ball, which is a long way of me saying that your game will immediately get better when these are on your feet. Learn more and purchase the Furon at NewBalance.com. I'm Jimmy Cream Cheese Conrad alongside Hollywood Heath Pierce and Charlie Chuckwagon Davies. And today we are thrilled to welcome one of our favorite ever teammates for the U.S. Men's National Team, but also one of our favorite people in the game who just happens to be the head coach of the Red Hots and probably the favorites of MLS, LAFC, Steve Trundolo. But before we bring him on, Hollywood, what are you going to ask him? Because we can go so many different directions with Mr. Schven. That's my nickname for him, Schven. What, what do you say? What are you thinking? Well, oh, probably first ask why uh, him and I had the same realtor. I knew that he moved back, but he hasn't, <laughs> he hasn't uh, reached out for maybe just like a few tips on the area or, uh, you know, maybe a Yikes. coffee once in a while or something like that. You know, very similar to the the Julian Lescott uh, situation with Jimmy Conrad. I'm just wondering, like, is he an ex-teammate or is he a friend? You know, we're going to find out today. <laughs> I love that. Chuck, Chuck, what do you want to talk to him about? Uh, just his development as, as a manager. Um, you know, he's basically been groomed working with youth reserves now first team uh with las vegas lights now to to lafc just the trajectory uh, of of his career all right cool well without further freddy ado it's time for the tail of the tape standing five foot six inches tall wayne has felt 152 pounds it's the pride of mount carmel high school in san diego california who played one season at the University of Portland before making the move to Hanover in Germany, where he represented the club for so long, notching 370 appearances in total. His nickname was the Mayor of Hanover. He also registered 87 caps for the U.S. Men's National Team, playing in two World Cups and being lucky enough to be a teammate with all of us before retiring in 2014. And he's been brainwashing the next generation in the coaching world ever since, though I would be remiss if I also didn't mention that he's cute as a button. It's Steve! Sven, great to see you as always. First question, you've had this illustrious career, but I'm sure people just walk up to you and be like, yo, what's Gareth Bale like? You know? Yeah, I get, th- I get that a lot. But first of all, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, you all look fantastic. We could have just retired yesterday. Nobody would have ever known. Especially with that full head of hair, Heath, looking oh, amazing. Oh, thank you beautiful. so much. Um, and to answer your question first, Heath, definitely friend. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, all right, guys, I'm out. Thanks for having me. You can just shut me down now. I don't have any more questions. <laughs> Uh, Charlie, we'll get into the progression later. Uh, okay. But yes, uh, exciting times at LAFC with Gareth. Um, also, always interesting with Carlos and um, obviously a fantastic guy to coach and have around the locker room with Giorgio Gallini. So um, a lot going on at LAFC right now. Steve, I, I listened to you on a broadcast when you were doing some of the Bundesliga broadcasts um, while you were still in Germany. And I remember you hear, I remember hearing something distinctly when you were talking about young players and that how sometimes when you have too many young players – there is the ebb and flow of the young player. And that's not a very popular opinion right now because we all just want young players all the time but don't want to actually talk about what comes with having young players on the field. What's it been like for you now having to manage what I'm sure is an important part of the future of the club at LAFC with player development and the young players coming through, but also having to, to balance that with getting results in the now? Well, I think there are some great examples out there. Um, in Europe and around the world. Um, clubs who are trying to win championships always find a good balance between young and experienced. Um, and, you know, clubs who are purely focused on developing players and, and selling them on um, can be a little heavier on the young side, and that's fine. 
um, my experiences in, in youth soccer, but also last year with the lights and, and just observing for many years, um, if it's too strong on the young side, it's a bit of the blind leading the blind. We were all young players at once, um, and we did not have answers um, for solutions. Um, and if you have too many of those players on the field at once, it, it looks a little um, disconnected. And I think experienced players really help those um those situations to connect the dots, but also to keep the group and the organization well balanced, which is what we're trying to do see currently. Well, you're top of the Western Conference, top of the league supporter shield right now. In your first season, what's been the low point so far? I, I, there can't be too many. And and what have you been most proud about when when managing this group? Um, yeah, I guess low points would be injuries. Um, uh, to a few key guys. Brian Rodriguez has come up um, with a few po- bad injuries this year who was um, in very good form and seemed to have kind of taken a, a turn the corner in his career and uh, figuring out how to become a prolific attacker and not just an excellent 1v1 attacker. Um, and so those would be the low points. I'll be honest, um, during preseason, things were not clicking right away. Um, and in your first season, I obviously was sweating bullets. So that, that was not fun. Um, and then finally, in our final preseason match against uh, Red Bulls, um, things did click, and we haven't missed a beat since. But it's been uh, it's been a pretty cool journey so far. So, Steve, talk to us about the transition, going from Las Vegas Lights coach to now LAFC, taking over for Bob Bradley, obviously a very respected and, and highly successful coach in the American soccer system. In terms of how long do you think it took for you to to win the guys over that you actually knew what you were talking about? Obviously, you have your playing career. There's going to be some instant credibility there playing in a couple World Cups. But you still have to prove it as a coach. Was there a moment where you're like, these guys got it? They, they know what I want, and they also are showing me that respect and are going to go out there and execute? Absolutely. That moment was in Palm Springs in preseason. It was, um, I, I believe, like the 36th minute against the Red Bulls. Um, where they figured it out, they turned it on. It was during a water break, and ever since then we haven't looked back. Um, are, you, are you being? Are you shitting me? Thirty like the thirty-sixth minute of that? Like that's real? Or are you just messing with me right now? No, um, maybe the thirty-fourth. Uh, <laughs> uh, it was definitely in the first half of that game at the water break. Um, and there what, was, well, what happened though? Like what was just something something you said or something that like you were working on, and the team shape just kind of clicked, and everybody got it. I think it was a mix between it was our final preseason match. Guys were tired. Um, our way of playing is is physically exhausting um, and fast paced. Um, and I think they caught their legs. They got their legs back. And it was I also see. against the team, Red Bulls. They were all over us in the first fifteen minutes, twenty minutes, as they usually do. Uh, I think I think my team was just sick of it, and they had enough. And then they turned it on. They, they shifted another gear, and we've been in that gear since. Let's talk about uh, you on the on the in the technical area on the field, right? You come from your your playing career, which means you've made a lot of friends. I'm sure a lot of uh, frenemies along the way. Now the coaches are getting younger. You're on the touchline. He's he's only Is talking about outside backs, like yeah, no, no, him, him and Johnny no, no. Bornstein. It's like yeah. on, no, listen, ongoing my, battle. My, my my question is, <laughs> is, to go, is like, have you have you? <laughs> You know, I see these coaches that I know they know each other, and I see sometimes some dirty looks, some some tough conversations, screaming and fighting at each other. And you know what it's like to be to compete on the field. But now, across from any coaches, have you gotten into any arguments yet? Has any has any one coach uh, annoyed you with the antics? Have you annoyed anybody else? Have you gotten into that yet? Knowing that I know you would be the same in, in Germany, but in, in the U.S., knowing so many people uh, in history, have you gotten into that yet? Oh, that's a good question. I think you know the answer to this. Uh, you know, I, you know, I, I cannot say uh, a, a whole lot, um, but I'd be very, I'm actually quite surprised and um, happy. Uh, so far, there has been very little um, chatter back and forth. And most of the coaches, um, and maybe I'm getting the benefit of the doubt because I'm new, um, and there is there are some pre-existing relationships, which I'm kind of backing on. There, there isn't really any bad blood, and, and it's been actually quite nice with some of our bigger rivalries, uh, rivals here in L.A., with Portland, Seattle, obviously the Galaxy. Um, I wasn't a part of the past, and so it's maybe a, a chance to uh, – uh, What boring. a crap answer. Yeah, what boring. a crap answer. Over a leaf and just out, on. just out, yeah, one, hey, out, out one person and we'll move on. You know, Just out <laughs> one and we'll move on. <laughs> uh, in, in terms of – coaches you've played under 
like how would you define your style what what have you taken from managers that you've played for and 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 how would you say you have had had success with lafc like what defines you as a manager um yeah there's definitely some been some some influences uh, throughout my playing career i think uh, the first one i'll mention uh for sure clive charles at portland um helped me and he knew me back then uh helped me become a somewhat of a responsible young man um, as best as he could. And I grew up in two semesters, I'm sorry, three semesters, two seasons. You got that wrong, Jimmy. Two seasons <laughs> as a pilot. Two seasons. Oh, wow. Uh, that's, the, that's a first. Sorry. I'm surprised <laughs> you're admitting that, Steve, because it, remember how cool it was to leave early back then? Like that was the only thing you wanted to do. So like if somebody know, said you I left know. earlier, you just take it. I left early, but uh, I needed the three semesters there. I wasn't ready before that. And Clive had a big portion of that. And then moving to Germany, one of my first coaches, Ralf Ragnick, um, opened my eyes uh, tactically, um, you know, was very smart. Um, the way we played and were promoted in Hanover was just a full-on attack, press, attack, very high-paced game. And uh, we tore up the second division, which opened my eyes to a new way to play. Um, or a different way to play, I should say. And then a few other coaches, uh, my national league coaches, Bruce, an incredible manager of personalities and characteristics and, and roster building. Bob, um, obviously a tactician, and his attention to detail and his dedication was incredible. Um, and another German coach, uh, a guy by the name of Avod Lienen. You know that guy here? I do. Um, and um, I, I would say his emotional uh, IQ was fantastic the way he managed the group and the different nationalities and personalities within the team. And so it put all that together into one pot, um, coupled with my own characteristics and personality of trying to be even keeled um, and relaxed, but I can also smile and enjoy myself. Um, some I good, some good banter in there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But hey, but hold hey, on, Steve. Hey, Jimbo's, hold on. Jimbo's rattled. Look yeah. at him. He I, I, is absolutely rattled. I just what what I'm not buying right now though is that you're you're taking all the goods from all these coaches, but there has to be some things that you're like, I, I yeah, man, do that he well, wants you to throw like, some people under the bus. Yeah, yeah, listen, you're gonna go. give me he's clearly you're looking gonna for give drama, me a drama. You're alert. gonna give me a name today, <laughs> Thank you, somebody. Heath. You know what I mean? Uh, no, right, but I mean, right. uh, for me, when I talk about where, where I'm at, and and we talk about a lot on the show, a lot of our conversations are about things we would do differently, right? Not necessarily the things that you you take because that's all part of it, but things that you're like. Oh man, I personally had a lot. What I felt were were worse coaches than good coaches, and the few that I had, you're like, man, Clive Charles is one where it was in college, but I still look at it as the best coach I ever had. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, are, were were there things that you had experienced? And obviously, coming through Germany during the period that you did, there was a lot of disciplinary type, kind of old school uh, thinking around around coaching. Um, it, was there anything that you, not necessarily people, but things that you decided I don't want that to be part of my style? Absolutely. Um, it, it's a valid point. Um, you know, two names, definitely. Names, 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 <laughs> um, names, names. The name of uh, Horst Emmentaut um, was, was sort of an, an alpha male and came over the top. And, and, and his leadership um, approach was something um, I, I will not do and I disagree with. Um, you know, his motivators or motivator is fear. Um, to install in players, which may work short term, but long term, um, will it will implode, and you will definitely find yourself without a job. Um, <laughs> um, and so that is not something that is also suitable to my personality and characteristics. So that is definitely something I learned not to do. And then another coach, um, it was his second time around at Hanover. Peter Neuruhr was a good guy, but um, we literally did the same thing every week, every day, and mm. it just got too monotonous. Oh. And I promised myself. When I become a coach, um, to make sure players are enjoying training, environment is, is one that they can learn, um, they can improve, they can also work, and to keep it uh, to keep it interesting, and and also to have them laugh. Good players are happy players, and, and vice versa. So, those are some of the lessons I learned. So, Sven, when we were teammates, I always asked, "When are you coming back? When are you going to come back to the states? When are you going to come back and play in MLS?" You're like, "Well, whenever there's a team in San Diego, because that's where I want to go back and 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 finish everything up." But now you found yourself in coaching and you got your coaching licenses, your UEFA badges. You could have coached and you were coaching in Germany for some time. So I'm sure there was some possibilities and some ambition to, to coach in the Bundesliga. But you did ultimately come back and now you find yourself at LAFC. What was the draw to come back to MLS and help grow the game here? Um, I had followed LAFC since day one. Um, you know, John and I um, were friends and still are, uh, even though we are working very closely together. 
Uh, we can maintain a friendship outside of the office. Um, I you're love talking about different context. You're giving John Thornton the GM of and correct. Torts. And so John and I kept in touch, and I followed the MLS always because um, I anticipated coming back to play, and it was an interesting league. And uh, um, you know, a lot of my friends lived and worked here, so it was something I followed closely. Um, didn't get to play due to knee injury, um, but anyway, John and I kept in touch. Loved the LFC. Came to visit them in 2019, um, and thought, wow, this has real potential. My path in Europe wasn't finished yet. And so it was sort of, yes, there was an avenue with LAFC, um, but I also felt that my path in Germany was coming to an end. I had finished my license. I had taken my first steps as a coach. I wasn't too fond of how coaches are perceived and treated in Germany, and this is not something that I particularly wanted to be involved in. It's really more of like musical chairs, and it's very politicized, and it's um, you don't really have time to develop an idea or a philosophy. Um, you're just pumping out results. And that's a little different in the United States. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of pressure in L.A. and we want to win at LAFC. But we still have a little time and the resources to develop an idea. Uh, and that was very attractive to me. So I, after John called, I said, all right, that's the place for me. And on top of it all, as we know, um, our kids are, are getting older, and, and my girls were are at an age where it's uh, the right time to move them, for them to understand where dad's from and to grow up in the United States for a few years. You were a single club guy for your entire career. It doesn't really exist at any level, you know, and you have a few, usually the club legends uh, like yourself that stay or stick around. Do you think that was a, was that a purposeful thing? It was I, I know you had plenty of opportunities to leave throughout the years through the many contracts you signed. And do you think that the mentality of the player with just globalization and access to new ideas and opportunities is, has sort of changed the, the loyalty of when you're asking somebody to, especially in MLS with trading and things like that, to live for the crest and give everything? Do you feel like that's a, a different challenge here than maybe in Germany? Absolutely. Um, I don't think playing for one club is for every person. I think it's you need the right personality and characteristics. So it's interesting. Georgia was here who spent, I think, most of his career in one club. Um, very similar approach to the club you're playing for. So he is all in, and that's it. I mean, every day opens up, and he's wonderful in the locker room, in the meal room. He's here all day. Um, it's like he's been here since day one. And I think that mentality, that openness is very important if you want to stay at a club for your entire career. So um, that is that was my approach to Hanover. It was a conscious decision from day one to engulf myself in the culture and the language and in the club and the community. Um, I was able to do that. Um, but yeah, you're right. Along the way, there were options to move. And you know, I think it's it would be not um, honest of me to admit, you know, this is also a business. Um, but I, I approached my contract uh, extensions in this in a similar way where there were three questions that needed to be answered with yes and it was am I still developing as a player um, am I still developing as a human being am I still happy in the city and is the club still developing uh, financially as well and growing and I was able to answer those questions with yes at each contract extension and so I knew that was the right place for me in in terms of your relationship with with Thorrington, which you, you touched on, how involved were you with the signings? Because it's it's very easy to be like, you're the head coach, stay in your lane. I'll I'll, I'll get the players and you manage them. When you hear Gareth Bale is a possibility, Chiellini, were were you having conversations with them to try and convince them as well, or was it just floated by you to see how that would fit with the squad? I'm just very curious as a as a manager. Now you can attract the, the best talent in the world. L.A., it's a, it's a very desirable city, and you have built a, a, an incredible team. What does that process look like? Yeah, the process started um, summer when the club and Bob decided no longer to uh, work together. Um, I was asked by John and, and, and management to help out with the roster building for the new season prior to becoming the coach. Uh, and I was here last year. I, I understand the philosophy. I understand how Bob worked. I understand where the club came from and where we're going. And so um, it was only natural to help out in those decisions. And I can tell you um, here, every decision is is discussed over and over again amongst the entire technical staff and management. So we were very hands-on. Um, and everybody has a say. Um, of course, in the end, a decision needs to be made. 
but uh, everybody's opinion is heard, and I think it's it's uh, it's the right way to do things, and it will minimize um, mistakes. And I think uh, mm-hmm. that's what we've been able to do this year. Was was there? Did you have a conversation with them before the signing, or or no? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Okay, so obviously you're very persuasive, Sven. Let's put on your pundit uh, <laughs> hat. And let's talk about Ricardo Pepe. He goes over to the Bundesliga, very similar to you at a similar age. But knowing what you know about Augsburg, were you like, no, Ricardo Pepe, not Augsburg, like any club but in Germany but that one, you know, because they just seem to barely survive every single year. And not to the surprise, I mean, maybe to the surprise of some, but he's struggling. He's struggling to, to adapt. What advice would you have for a Ricardo Pepe or any young player that's going over to the Bundesliga or currently playing in the Bundesliga about how to survive that particular league, given your experience? I think it's very important uh, when you're in Germany to to remember the glass is half full, to be positive. Um, you know, going over there with such a big transfer fee um, to a team who needs a goal scorer, uh, there's a lot of pressure on from day one. And so, um, you know, I think he's a very good player, and I think he can be that goal scorer for them. Um, but it may not be from the start. He may need some time. Um, and so for him in that transition, it's really important to stay positive Um to find life away from football uh, in the city of Oxford, which is a beautiful city. So it's going to be important for him to enjoy life, to be able to be effective on the field as well, um, to stay positive, to stay focused, because it can be a very demanding job in Germany, in the Bundesliga, and with the media, with the fans, um, you know, and just walking around the street. He'll feel the pressure as well. So stay positive, and um, goals will come. See, I remember when we were playing in uh, the national team together and we'd spent some time together in, in Germany. Uh, one of the things that you had told me, and it's still, I, I still remember it to this day, was just about how to navigate training, right? And that you can't, when, especially when you're young, you have the inconsistencies that we all, we all uh, know to be true about young players. But one thing you had said to me was, was on days that you're just not feeling it, that you're tired, that you're not focused or whatever, you're just like, Play simple and just blend in. Like, don't stand out as the best player and then as the worst <laughs> player. And I remember that being like a revelation for me because when you're young, you want to stand out, you want to be the best every training, but sometimes it just doesn't work, right? Sometimes you're like, it's not just about your legs or your mind. It's all got to come together every single day in an intense environment, especially in the Bundesliga. It was really tough. So one, thank you for that because it helped me. Uh, not as much as I thought it would help me, you know, but it helped Because uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, I was still uh, worse than I was good more often than not. And that's just hard to do every day. It's just blending. <laughs> um, but for, you know, for you now working with, with young players, do you see a different level of quality or consistency in the young player in the U.S. considering the pool is getting bigger, more players challenging themselves in different situations? I mean, what's your take on, on the modern young player coming out of the U.S. right now? Um. Thank you for remembering that. And I still use that with some of our players. Um, I recall a conversation with Fall a couple of weeks ago, uh, Fall and Baca, and it's the same. So I'm asking players to give us uh, more sevens, less tens and less ones. Let's just play consistently well. Um, and that trickles into training as well, because how you train, you will play. Um, and that's a challenge for a younger player, um, which is why you need some experienced players to help out with that. Um, I would say the younger players nowadays are are a little further along in their tactical development um, uh, than maybe we were, um, but maybe lack in other categories. So I think I think there's uh, lost track a little bit of of the basic technical work, heading, tackling, passing, uh, long balls. Um, everything is becoming a little too technical and uh, too detail oriented, um, and then the basics is what what kind of goes away because we don't spend enough time with that. And um, you know, that would be my fear moving forward. But I would say the general tactical foundation that players have is more than we had. Well, real quick, sorry, Charlie, what, what are the basics that you talk of just for context of, of what you think is going away or not being done enough? Look, it's very simple. Um, timing on headers, set pieces, defensive headers. Um, we don't, we're not allowed to at a certain age in youth soccer. And uh, you will see players Losing that, I've been watching, um, observing this in Germany for a number of years. Um, simple striking the ball, um, a long ball. Um, simple way of passing. Everything has to be the outside of your foot. Everything has to be uh, complicated. Now it doesn't have to be. It can still be very simple and effective. Um, and I think that part of this game is is 
uh, dwindling a little bit. Listen, Steve, I blame YouTube and Ronaldinho highlights set to EDM music from <laughs> like Eastern Europe. But uh, go ahead, Charlie, go ahead. Yeah, no, you're, you're spot on. <laughs> uh, I would say, you know, you are approaching one of the deepest teams in, in MLS history, like uh, an absolute loaded squad. And you still have an open DP spot. I know the transfer window closes tonight. Could we anticipate another major <laughs> signing? Charlie Davies trying to break news on the pod here. <laughs> no, not at all. I'm just saying, is that a possibility? Do I mean, you not anticipate at all. Maybe having a major signing, or do you feel like you you can win with this group? Of course, you can win with this. Yeah, group. where's John Thorrington right now? Is he <laughs> hanging out? Like he's got his feet up on the desk next to you, or is he? Where is he sweating? Is is over there? John is very busy today, and so. Um, we are we are working hard to improve the team, um, regardless of where we are in the table. If we feel that a player on the market um, who would like to come here and play, that's very important for us. After conversations with players, um, I really need to hear from players that they're excited about what we're doing and excited to have a role in what we're doing. Um, if all of those pieces are in line, um, then we will improve the team. Absolutely. Blink is such, Blink, such a professional Blink, answer. Yeah. I Blink, love it. She's Blink, so polished. She's hey, so Blink, polished. Blink twice if Isco is a target. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. Oh, all right, Trent. So what we like to do here, part of the tradition with all of our guests, is to get some personal stories, some memories that you might have had. And the one that we always ask is, who is your favorite player that you ever traded a jersey with? And then conversely, did you ever have a regret of not trading a jersey with somebody you played against? Ooh, yeah, good question. Uh, favorite player I traded the jersey with was at the uh, 2006 World Cup. Ooh, nice. Um, <laughs> You're my teammate for that one. I love that. Um, uh, with Del Piero. Alessandro Del Piero. Uh, after the That's game in the South and in Italy. So that was that was an amazing, amazing experience. Uh, nobody believed me, but he wanted mine. Um, I'll just throw that out there. Oh, yeah. Um, no, no, ask Jimmy about, about his, his debacle. With yeah. the Italians. Yeah, Jimmy yeah, I, I, Jimmy I, lives I, in regret daily. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I, got, I got Pirlo. What are you talking about? I got Pirlo. Yeah, 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 sure. So, so, so Sven got uh, to Del Piero's. But any regrets? I mean, you've played in a lot of games, 87 caps, or even with Hanover, played in some big games. Mm-hmm. Is there anybody that you regretted not getting? You obviously got to play against some great Bayern teams. and, and Maybe uh, you hesitated. So yeah, you hesitated. Yeah, you hey, stole it. Yeah. Hey, before so you answer, sure, Steve, I'll... real quick. Be, Steve, before you answer. This jersey, uh, we were about to get relegated with Hansa Rostock, and Steve and I uh, changed shirts. <laughs> and I went out to the half line, and we were talking. And the newspaper called me uh, uh, Plaudatasha, which is see what's the what's the direct uh, translation like gossiper. Uh, and things are going bad, but I got this uh, shirt under under duress, and it was worth it. Just so you know uh, the circumstances <laughs> around that. Apparently, you're not supposed to trade shirts if you're uh, if you're uh, heading heading on down to the second division. <laughs> are you? Uh- very unfair journalist with you there. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, don't, don't pay any attention to that. <laughs> Especially from Rasta. Yeah. Um, no regrets. I would say I'm more of a, a shy guy when it came to trading jerseys. And I was more interested in trading jerseys with players I have a personal relationship with. Um, there was really only like, I only asked a few times for, you know, the star players. One was Del, uh, Del Piero, obviously. Uh, Clarence Sador for the jersey. I really like oh, him. That's well. a massive one. Uh, massive player. Um, and then uh, a guy who I hated but loved was uh, Frank Ribéry because he ran by me pretty much every time he wanted to. <laughs> uh, but a great, great player to play with. Uh, but no, I wasn't too disappointed because I didn't ask very much. And I had a lot of close friends in the Bundesliga. And those guys, those interesting were more, those jerseys were more interesting to me than the stars. Okay, one more question before we let you go then. Once you become national team coach, will you put me, Heath, and Charlie on your coaching staff? That's yeah, all we really want to know. Technical staff. <laughs> I think having a great staff is very important. Um, <laughs> and it's really important to have experts in each field. And I'm positive we'll find a field for everybody. So. Ah, that's yeah. what we love what here. A- Steve well Trundle, everybody. Give it up for Sven. Best of luck to you, our friends. And uh, we wish you the best of luck with LAFC as well. You're the heavy favorites to win the league. No pressure. Steve Trundle! <laughs> All right. All right. Oh, we're going to take our first and only break of In Soccer We Trust. When we come back, we're going to break down Steve's interview, anything that we thought, obviously incredibly insightful. And then we'll talk a little bit more about what we saw in the League's Cup, including LAFC's 0-0 draw, or actually with the penalties, uh, against Club America. Don't go anywhere. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. 
If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to In Soccer. We trust some Jimmy Cream Cheese Conrad with Charlie Chokewagon Davies and Hollywood Heath Pierce. And we are just coming off a fantastic interview with Steve Trundolo, the head coach of LAFC and our former national team teammate. Heath, you said during the break that uh, Steve Trundolo is the gold standard now of interviews just based on how he answered all of those questions. I mean, he was superb. Yeah, and it's just it's it's interesting because he's always in a he's in a tough spot, right? We as you know, like last day of the transfer window, new coach at a new club. It'd be really easy for him to be like, not the time, or just give us some junk. But he actually answered quite a few questions, and he was he was likable. And you know, that's what I was trying to get to with the questions of like, who do you hate on 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 the touchline? Because <laughs> it's got to be weird for him to be working with John Thorrington or opposite somebody who was maybe a close friend like Carl, Carlos Bocanegra was one of his best friends. He's going to have to face him at some point um, in some probably awkward way or us, you know, challenging with questions. It was good to see him sort of tear that wall down and um, and uh, and be honest with us. It was awesome. Charlie, I, I, I loved, we kept peppering him with, with coaching questions and, and his style. Was there anything that stood out for you with regard to how he's doing it? Because it looks like, and what I thought was interesting when he said he was even keeled, it's very mm-hmm. clear on the sideline. I remember that... Uh, yeah, last night when they played against Club America, one of his players got a red card, and he's on the he's on the sideline laughing. You know, I mean, that's kind of how I think I would react, and I think maybe all of us would react because it's just you can get upset about it, or you can kind of just yeah. just see it for what it is. And it, he, I feel like he's got a nice understanding, that nice balance of treating his players as athletes, but also as human beings. And I think it comes across really well that you're not taking soccer slash life too seriously, because it is a game. You want to enjoy it, and you don't want to put that unnecessary pressure on a player because we all make mistakes and, and it happens. He's done it. He's been through it. So he's seen some of, some of the reactions that coaches have had and, and the negative effect it can have on a player. Now I'm sure the next day or, or that after the, after the game, you have that conversation with the player. I know you made, you know, you made a mistake, but this is how we can fix it. And this is how we move on. So I think what I've taken out of that conversation is the fact that he he knows how to man manage, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and have those conversations and keep the spirit high, and and not be a detractor from the progress he's made uh, on the pitch. Jimmy, you know, r- yeah, r- on that real quick. One of the things, and I've I've said it on here before, but I did the debut matches uh, for for Bale and Chiellini. And it's so like we get so romanticized by these big name players coming in that we go, oh, look at them having fun and training. Like they're just so fully immersed in like, <laughs> look at this. He's going to be great. Like we get like we read it and we overanalyze all these things because we're so excited about it. But their interviews were the first time that I've seen in this league, two players come in at the stature that they have at the point of the careers, two different points of their careers with Keelini being 37 or so and Bale still having more miles left in his legs. But both of them came in to say like, I'm here to help the team and support the team. I'm not like... And to do that, it's a hard thing to get those players to come in and have that sort of perspective where the videos are of them having fun and Killini is buying in every single day. But there's just this mentality where they've come in to immediately have an impact that's not just about like now the team evolves around me because we've all played with DPs where the mm-hmm. team evolves around them, right? We've mm-hmm. played with the big stars where they come in. And they're like, OK, well, now training starts when I'm here. I come in, I early, I say what my experience is and I say this is what it takes. And we all react to it when I'm in a bad mood, the locker room's in a bad mood and I just don't – it's the first time that I've seen players come in like that and have this type of mentality. I'm not saying that there haven't been other players with good mentalities, but to have that sort of perspective from the start of just being like, there's already an existing team. It's a very good team. I'm here to make that team better, but I'm not here to be the team. And that was kind of cool, and that requires a lot of trust from Trundolo and, and Thorrington to be able to 
analyze that and say, this is a good fit for us because I'm sure they get chucked hundreds of players all the time mm-hmm. that are big names that you've got to be able to be like, oh, sorry, it doesn't, doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. I also think from a coaching standpoint, because he's at LAFC, because he's in a market where they're going to attract big names, he's going to develop maybe a little bit further as a coach because he has to balance how he's treating a Carlos Vela and a Chiellini and a Gareth Bale with a Ryan Hollingshead and a Latif Blessing. I mean, these are different guys that have different needs and different understandings of the game, different experience sets, right? And I think that's just going to help him as he continues to evolve. So I actually want to extrapolate his career a little bit because this next World Cup cycle might be too soon, but I think he could be an excellent national team coach. Now, I want to say and raise my hand and say that I was the beneficiary of Bruce Arena's second stint uh, heading into the 2006 World Cup, where he was going eight straight years as our national team coach. And I, and I benefited from that. He And I, I'm very thankful and grateful that he gave me that opportunity. But looking back, when you, when you see maybe we didn't perform as well as we could have in 2006 in his second time around, when Bob Bradley had his you know, second World Cup cycle, he got fired in that. Jurgen Klinsmann, the same. Sometimes I think despite how much the players might like you, they also need to hear different voices and... and, and a different style and a different philosophy just to keep things fresh. And so I'll say that, that as much as I think Greg Berhalter is moving this along, I think maybe the next world cup cycle, it should be somebody else. So I think Greg, depending on how we perform, of course, in the world cup is probably the the heavy favorite to continue to be coach. And I think maybe it comes too soon for Toronto, but I think after 26, I think Steve, after five or six years as an MLS coach could be ready Mm -hmm. to make that jump. And I think he'd be be great at it. I think he would be great at it. Charlie, do you agree? Yeah, I, I do too. But I'm saying he, another manager who's probably yeah. top of the list is Jesse Marsh. I mean, that, right. that, there's no questions asked about that. So I think Toronto this is his first first season. So it's going to take a long I know, time. And, I know. And we know. I'm a little biased. I, like I know. I, he's awesome. But this is his first season as a coach. Think about how, how hard it is to be consistent and to – to have players come in and out of your uh, out of your squad. I mean, Chiellini is not playing for five years. Mm-hmm. You know, Gareth Bale, odds are he's not going to be here for five years. Carlos Vela, you never know if this is the last season or not. So you have these big-time names and personalities and players, but it's not that you can build 10 years or, or think about the future because it could be one year. And so mm-hmm. to have to adapt, it's, it's, it's a difficult job. So as great as he's doing now, and it's incredible how, how he's crushed it so far, um, to be consistent over two, three, four, five years, that's, that's a big challenge. Okay, and Heath, are you, are you feeling similar vibes to me with regard to his national team possibilities? I mean, now that we're all going to get jobs with him, yeah. I mean, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll back that. Let's I mean, go. We might be the first sort of like content creators slash coaches, you know, where it's like <laughs> each of us have to wear a chest, chest cam the entire day and like uh, – and, 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 you know, we could be in the meal room all together, moving around the salt and pepper shakers, uh, as formations as all great, <laughs> great managers do. But no, like I, I, I do think he's kind of got this unique from an, from an, uh, from an American, uh, perspective, a very unique perspective at the world in terms of how he spent his career. Yes. Greg Berhalter played in Germany for, for a while. Greg Berhalter played in England and he had a bunch of experience experiences, but Toronto also started his managerial career there. And he, he's just got a very different way of looking at things that I could see his trajectory being um, a national team stop along the way. Having said that, I could also see him, you know, at, at the right time going back to somewhere in Europe. He just kind of has that well-rounded capability that I think he's going to continue to have options. And based on, the early successes, he's got, still got a lot more to prove because, you know, they've won Sporter Shield a couple times. Like, he's got to take them to the next step. Right. Success is going to define sort of how far um, he takes this whole thing. But he seems to have, like, his temperament. Doesn't his temperament just feel natural and right and very similar to the Steve Trillandola we knew as a teammate that was a captain and a leader? And and kind of that translation into being a coach seems seems actually real and applicable and 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 like it has some legs to it. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I mean, just based on all the things that you mentioned, Heath, uh, in terms of his quality and, and uh, his decision-making and, and how cool he was under pressure really set up well to, to become a coach. So I'm not surprised he's having the success. Now, obviously, there's a lot of people out there going, but look at the team he's inherited. I mean, that team could coach itself, and maybe it could in some capacity, but he still They didn't make have. the playoffs last year. That's true. That's true. So, so, but, but they're having the luxury of getting Chiellini and, and Gareth Bale not be DPS and, and still being able to spend hey, a little bit. That's more. okay, Jimmy. On the deal I'm front, just saying, great. I'm just on saying the deal that's... front, great. But that's still a roll of the dice. You've got to get that right. How many yeah. times have MLS teams brought in a flyer just to change things, and it just doesn't go anywhere? 
right? And, yeah, and yeah. So you're taking a chance on Bale specifically, who who never seemed to have the greatest of reputations within the club, although he is a world-class player. In terms of locker room and, and whatnot, you don't know how these players are going to step in and what kind of mentality they're going to have once they get there. It's really easy to con people over a phone call or over, over a coffee to say that, yeah, I've you know, all got the club's best interest <laughs> yeah. in mind. And then, hey, what, and then well, you, well, you have to give a lot of credit to Thornton because he's the one who built this team, right? right. It's, it's, you know, it's great that you, you have Chirondolo there managing, but really he was handed the group by uh, Thornton. Thornton was one to sign Ilya Sanchez, who, who has made a, a massive difference for the squad, just giving them balance. Um, and, and I guess in terms of development, C. Fuentes has taken a huge step forward. Awesome. Now you can awesome give player. that to Terundolo. I think Fall, who he, he talked about having those conversations of, of being consistent in training, Chiellini and Terundolo are going to help him for, for next season because that, that's a player you want to build off of for the future. He's had some good moments in MLS so far, but it's it's a long-term play with him, developing him. Um, and He then, could become, by the way, the, the most expensive defender to leave this league uh, fall if he gets to where he yep. was. If you've seen the flashes of what he's yep. capable of, and Steve had him at, at, Las, at Vegas Las Vegas before moving him on, like that's a phenomenal player potentially mm -hmm. uh, that you get to have a, a, a to, to shape and mold over the over the coming years. All right, so let's talk about League's Cup. That happened last night. We have a truncated version this particular summer because it's a World Cup year, and they want to get it right for 2023, where it's going to be a month long and, and a lot more expanded with every team in Mexico and MLS participating. But last night at SoFi Stadium, which is mm -hmm. going to be a World Cup spot, they got it they got it right. They got all the dimensions right. And the first game of the night was LA Galaxy versus Chivas Guadalajara. Galaxy won 2-0, which... I don't know if that Chivas Guadalajara coach is going to last too much longer. I think they're currently in <laughs> 14th or 15th. But that was and, Chivas um, USA for a second. Well, you know what? That's LAFC. Two, you know, that's that's LAFC. <laughs> Chivas USA. 1.0. 1.0. Anyway, so so Galaxy actually played pretty well. Their young guys came out and were ready to go. And uh, Jovalich scored again. I think that's seven and seven games for him. He's been absolute in fire or seven and since June. He's been crushing it. And uh, then we saw Club America versus LAFC in the nightcap. There was a sequence, guys, in that game. I don't know if you guys saw it or not, or I don't know, if Heath, if you were there. In about the 20th minute, there was a sequence from Club America that was sick. 15 passes in, back, and through, created a good opportunity. LAFC ended up defending it, and Club America was all over them with regard to pressure. And LAFC played out of it, switched the point of attack, and I, I stood up in my house, and I started clapping. I was like... This is unbelievable that, that, that these guys on both sides, because Club America is not having a, a good season either at the start, at least, in Liga MAQs. And, and they, it was just as good as it gets. I, I, you know, Champions League, Real Madrid, Barcelona, whoever. Like, that was as high. I saw an incredible level from both teams, and I want to see more of that. And, and it did. It kind of went uh, ebbed and flowed throughout that. But there was this sequence on both sides of the ball that both teams played out of some crazy defense. And, and the defense was super organized. And it was amazing. And I'm like, I, I, this is why we need to have these types of games. I don't know if either one of them can find it in Mexico or either one of them can find it in MLS, maybe in the rivalry games. But, but I like the League's Cup, and I, and I like that this exists because I think it creates a great atmosphere and environment, which we saw last night. And, and I'm excited about the future of League's Cup, even though it does slow down the regular season in MLS a little bit. Heath, I'll come to you. What your thoughts on the League's Cup overall and, and the performances last night? Yeah, I, I think there's two things that are going to create a national product in the U.S. That's the League's Cup or some sort of merger with Liga Mekis because you've just got – it's just so complex when you think about – if you were at MLS All-Star in Los Angeles last year, you would have seen the complexity of it. You had LAFC fans in the stadium. You had LA Galaxy fans in the stadium. You had your corporate fans. You had you had your Liga Mekis fans that are club-specific. You had FMF fans, USMNT fans. You had all these things in a, in a, in a, in one stadium – and everybody hated everybody. And it was a wild thing. There was fights, brawls, things go like people could Sounds not figure so out. so enjoyable. Yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> but when you think about soccer culture growing here, you don't want violence. But to see that sort of level of passion and a little bit of confusion in the stadium because it wasn't, you know, part of the issue for that game at SoFi yesterday, for example, was that there weren't barriered off supporter sections from, from, from what I understand. And therefore, there is a lot of tension because there was some violence between uh, Club America and 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 LAFC at the All Star game last year, someone got hit by by a baseball bat. Um, I'm I'm gossiping a little bit, but for for supporter safety, that was a bit of an issue, which is why you probably didn't see as many LAFC fans as you would have otherwise. But when I think about that, it's it's opening up the salary cap, so you can have some 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 
bad boys in the league that overspend, you know, some people that you love to watch, but you hate them for, for, for their spending. And then also having this integration with league MX. Those are the two things that I create, think create a national product where at least for me, myself, I will watch games over and over and over again. Uh, even if it's not my favorite team because of those types of stakes and those are, and, and seeing the way that was the intensity, the, the atmosphere, the attendance, Yes, it was a double header, but to see all that come together, you can see what the potential of the future looks like. Yeah, it looked pretty good. Charlie, what were your thoughts watching last night? I think that when just what he touched on, gaining the the popularity of the sport by getting people together to have that mm-hmm. vibrant, mm-hmm. crazy, attractive, uh, entertaining experience, that that's what's going to draw people and and get like the popularity because people are learning for for MLS fans, they're learning what Liga Mekis is all about. And, and learning the players and learning the rivalries. Now you're creating those within MLS clubs as well. It's fire. I'm, I'm all about it. I mean, the more competition we can have that is meaningful, not just like a friendly, you're playing for your money, trophies. That That's what's going to, I, get, I think, elevate this whole competition. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that they're trying to figure out a creative way to do more and to tap into a natural rivalry with, obviously the national well, Jimmy you as a fan go, right yeah you you as a fan if you're a galaxy fan you still don't want Club America to beat LAFC like there's still been this because of Champions League there's still this pride of like MLS needs to prove itself and a, and a friend of mine was sitting with the Club America fans yesterday in in one of their big sections and he said the common theme was that they are worried about the quality increasing quickly in MLS mm-hmm. that is it is now going to overtake because it overtook Liga MX in, in other ways in terms of um, you know, clubs having resources and and facilities and an infrastructure that's different. But now the quality is starting to, to to get closer there that they are worried. And that's kind of a cool thing. So if you're an MLS fan, you naturally want to see MLS perform well, just like in Champions League against uh, Liga Mekis teams. And it gives a different level of of care that doesn't have to be just like my team or bust. You there's 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 more connective tissue in other ways. Yeah, the the president of Liga MA Keys, Mikel Ariola, he went on the show with Hercules Gomez, uh, a friend of ours, and, and said that they are a, a little bit afraid that MLS is, is closing that gap and, and doing it rapidly. I think that was a, a nice word to describe it, that that gap. And, and every time we get to step on the field and perform, you're actually getting to see evidence that that gap is starting to close. So oh, for it, sure, it is. There's interesting no times, Charlie, because because I think we're going to start – we might surpass them at some point. And not only that, I I, I – Obviously, Herc is, is hilarious on, on Twitter as well. One of the things that he does is every time a, a youth American or a youth international from us signs over in Europe, he puts it out like that, a little cold face or a cold emoji because we're not hearing a lot of news about young Mexican internationals going over and signing over in Europe. But you're hearing a, a ton of Americans. And so I think that's another sign. It's like five or six players of, of players that I wasn't super aware of that are in Europe right now that, that had transfers over the summer from Mexico. Um, and usually they're like Chicharito type moves, you know, where you know of them, they're massive stars start in a world youth world cup or, and then like escalating right now, there's not a lot of them going uh, to Europe. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. And, and so that's another sign. I don't know if Charlie, if there's anything that's kind of a red flag for you in, in a positive way that MLS is gaining on, on Liga MA keys. Well, I, I would think just it's very simple to look at a player like Ricky Puig, who's coming over from Barcelona, who just signed with uh, LA Galaxy today. He's 22 years old. This is a player who's unfortunately getting pushed out of Barcelona because of of the financial turmoil that they're in right now. And they're trying to sign all these players that they you know, invested in and they need to clear the space, right? And so even players who, who are established have to be moved if they're not in Xavi's plans. Ricky Puig is one of those players who has has had a, the, all this potential. He's he, he's played some meaningful matches, but now decides to head to LA Galaxy and come to MLS. Mm-hmm. That would not be possible if the league hadn't grown to, to the point it is now. You're not getting Gareth Bale, who has a World Cup to play in, to come to MLS now and, and think that this would be good enough for him to, to prepare. So the league has is continuing to grow it's it's attracting more talent. The more soccer-specific stadiums that are developed, it shows that people are invested in this league for the long term. Plus, you have the World Cup in 2026. Yeah. Now even more teams and more people around the world are going to be kind of exposed to what, what this league is all about and what this country is all about when it comes to the sport. So we're, we're heading in the right direction. The tra- trajectory is incredible with Major League Soccer. So 
Um, yeah, that backdrop yeah. of the 2026 World Cup is, is a significant one. Yes. With regard to Ricky, what I think is interesting is that he's only 22. And imagine he comes and does well for the LA Galaxy. They go and sell him and flip him for 10, 15, 20, I don't know, 25 million. Or you could keep else. him. Yeah, or keep him. But, but, <laughs> but imagine if all of a sudden you had younger European superstars potential yes. superstars coming over to MLS to get a couple of years of experience and some life experience and then moving back. I mean, obviously Zlatan did it right. It, he came over, then he went to, to Serie A and just helped AC Milan win the Scudetto last year. So there's an older version of that, but, but can we start to find a younger version? And Ricky could be one of the first to do that in a meaningful way. So I'm excited about that signing. I'm excited mm -hmm. to see how he fits into Greg Vanny's project with the galaxy. They, they clearly need some help in a couple of different areas and, and given his experience and how, and what we've seen of him at Barcelona, I think he had, could have an Ilya Sanchez type impact on the team where he just plays really simple and unlocks a lot of pressure and keeps the game moving. And, and is a nice transition piece from the defense to the, to the strikers up top. I'm sure Chicharito is going to appreciate having uh, Ricky around. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that all plays out. But, uh, yeah, good times, crazy times, transfer deadline. Make sure you're paying attention to all the MLS stuff and anybody else that you follow on social media to get all the latest info. This is uh, an exciting time for hey, MLS. Steve Trundolo did say, uh, did say uh, he had to go jump off in the chat that he's got to go find himself a DP. Uh, yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, they got to take advantage of it. They're obviously in a unique position, and there's some big names that are out there. I mean, I still can't believe Isco hasn't signed. I don't think Cavani's signed anywhere. Not that they need another out-and-out -out striker, but he's just another big name that's floating around. Obviously, Luis Suarez was out there, and I think he was looking at it, but uh, ended up signing back in Uruguay with Nacional, the club that he grew up with. So, But there's other, other names that are just floating out there that are super talented guys that might just need that opportunity to get it going and get it, and maybe MLS and LAFC in particular are the teams to make that happen. All right, everybody, we're going to call it an episode here for In Soccer We Trust. We appreciate your support. As always, we have a very, very special show for you tomorrow. Obviously, the European leagues are up and running again. So we're going to have a preview of all the Americans abroad in the Premier League, in the Bundesliga, and League A. So that should be a lot of fun to join us tomorrow. We'll get off at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern time. We apologize for any technical difficulties we had along the way. We want to thank Steve <coughs> for coming on. And we wish him the very best. <laughs> Sign in a DP here in the next, uh, what, 10 to 12 hours before the transfer window closes. So on behalf of producer Dez, producer Alex, Charlie, Chuck Wagon, Davies, Hollywood, Heath Pierce, I'm Jimmy Cream Cheese Conrad saying thank you for watching and listening to Talk We Trust. And we'll see you tomorrow. Later. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. 